Hey yo, what's up ATL gang? It's your boy Swan here, back again. It is Super Bowl Sunday morning and uh, I just finished a pod with Nav. Had to, you know, wake up a little early, but it's all right. We did this for you guys. Um, you know, the trade deadline just finished uh, three days ago and so much happened. Uh, so Nav and I discussed the winners and losers of the trade deadline. Uh, we talked about some teams that made moves, teams that didn't make moves, what's going on, who's benefiting from some of the trades. Uh, we saw KD, we saw Kyrie switch teams in the last week. So uh, we kind of just discussed what we thought about the team dynamic and who's going to make the biggest impact. So we always appreciate you guys listening. Thank you for tuning in and hope you guys enjoy this episode. Peace. Welcome to episode 62 of the ATL podcast. It's Super Bowl Sunday morning, and I'm here recording live in beautiful Los Angeles, California. I am a little hungover, but the show must go on, and we got to give the people what they want. In this past week, we saw why the NBA continues to be the best sports league in the world, with one of the most active and busiest trade deadlines in recent memory, possibly of all time with stars like Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and Mike Muscala switching teams. You know we had to get Nav on the mic to discuss all the, the moves that shocked the entire league. So, from Kitchener, live, Nav, what's going on, baby? Bon, my man, not too much. It's Sunday afternoon. It's so nice outside right now. It's like seven degrees, Super Bowl Sunday. Um, looking forward to this podcast, but also looking forward to maybe uh, spending some time outside after we record. Um, but to be honest, I need to recharge my batteries. Saying I was an emotional wreck this past week was would be an understatement. I think there was a couple mornings where I woke up at like 5 a.m. refreshing my phone to see if any trades have happened. <laughs> my sleep is off. I'm going on rampages in our group chat. I'm off. I'm just completely off. And not to mention the outcome of the trade deadline and the way things ended up shaking out compared to how I thought they were going to shake out, compared to how you thought they were probably going to shake out. I'm a little devastated. Um, this is going to be more of a therapy session in some regards, but let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm man, I, I'm, I'm, I feel you so hard there, bro. Like, I know in the group chat, you're so, so disappointed with what, what, what happened, you know, obviously with the Raptors, our, our team, and just... Even some moves that other teams are making, a lot of questionable moves. But um, yeah, before we get into that, obviously, like we mentioned, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Um, what, what are you doing today? What, what's going on? Do you have any plans for that? Are you hanging out with the boys? What's 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 the uh, what's the download for that? Yeah, I'm just having some people over. I uh, reached nice. out to Dan, see if he's uh, see if he's available. He's going to let me know. But I got a couple guys coming over. Um, Shona's going to make her, uh, her chicken Buffalo dip. I'm going to order some pizzas, uh, get some beers going and it's going to be a good time. How about you? Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, as you know, George and Renata are, are over in here in LA. So going to head up the beach and then hopefully find a place to watch it either nearby or like at a sports bar. So nothing like con no concrete plans, but I'm sure we can find something, a place that will have the game eat some food, drink some beers, whatever. So yeah, that's our plan right now. So 
it's gonna be a good time regardless. Um, but yeah, with the game, Eagles, Chiefs, uh, big game. Obviously, two of the best teams in the league. Um, battling for the coveted Lombardi trophy. Who do you got? Give me your predictions. Um, yeah, who do you think is gonna win today? I have one question. What's up? Is George gonna wear an Eagles jersey? Hell yeah, he is. Fuck yes, yeah, he, man. He I'm jealous. I'd love to be it. a sports bar with George wearing an <laughs> Eagles jersey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back so. beers, wearing his bucket hat, being extra uh-huh. loud. Yeah, yeah. He he brought it. So I'm excited. I'm excited to be around that energy, you know. Oh man, that's great energy for a football game. Um he probably wouldn't want me around because I just locked in my bets for the day. I got 50 bucks on KC. Um, and then I went, uh, I just went through, I added up all the scores of the playoffs this far and I went under 50 total points because no game has gone over 50 yet. And I don't foresee a game like this going over 50 when you got, you know, a great defensive team in, in Philadelphia, um, probably gonna, probably going to suppress some of the, the scoring that would be done from KC. Wow. Okay. Okay. I, I like the Eagles. And I think it's a little because George is here too. And I obviously don't want to cheer. Like, I, again, I'm a neutral fan. I can't say I, I'm like a, like a big fan of either team. Uh, but I do like the Eagles. I like Jalen Hurts. I like what they've been able to do. Miles Sanders having a good year. Um, Brown's having a good year. And their defense. Yeah, their defense is great. So I'm leaning towards the Eagles. I do like the Chiefs too. I can't say, it, you know, uh, Mahomes is an Adidas guy. So um, I'm always I'm always cheering for for those guys to win, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm leaning towards the Eagles. I do not know how much I'm gonna bet yet. It might be a stupid amount of money, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I'll keep you updated uh, through text on how, on what that bet looks like. I might do some like like player props too, like do uh first t- like first TD or like anytime TD. I think Kelsey's gonna have a TD, so I'm gonna try to bet that, uh, and then maybe some like. MVP bets or something. I don't know. Yeah, I gotta look at like the, the um, the betting sheet and see what's uh what what's there. Speaking of George, I'm looking at my window right now and I see Ogie's driver training. There's oh, a car. Yeah. There's a car right in front of my house right now that says Ogie's driver training. So ask George if Ogie's got got a driving training business. Oh, I thought you might have just seen like a fridge on the side of the road. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but um. It's actually funny because like this is probably the first year where I actually got into football, um, you know, outside of Tom Brady, because mm-hmm. up until now, I've just been sort of like riding Justin's wave and and just enjoying enjoying the Tom Brady moments. But um, playing fantasy this year and obviously you drafted my team and you drafted <laughs> Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts is like an automatic 30 every week. So I got mad love for the Eagles. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's weird, like from, and again, such a lukewarm fan, slowly getting into it. But I, I'm starting to like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of feels like KC and Patrick Mahomes, are they've kind of got like underdog vibes in, in certain ways because, you know, I feel like the NFL, like obviously celebrate Brady, celebrate Rodgers, celebrate Burrow, celebrate Hurts, um, Purdy, all these, all these up and coming quarterbacks. And Mahomes, I feel like, the throne needs to be like snatched. And I feel like this Super Bowl could be his like, all right, enough of all these other guys, like they might be good, but the throne's mine now that Brady's gone. So I kind of like that. And the more I read into like the Andy Reid thing, 
and just the kind of coach he is, the kind of guy he is, his affiliation with Philly, uh, the way he got let go in Philly. He's a, he seems like a cool dude, man. So, and I mean, Kelsey looks like Jonas Valanciunas had him in <laughs> fantasy. So I, I kind of, I think going forward, I'll probably just be a KC guy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's just be a fan of the best team in the league. Cool, man. Yeah, yeah just, exactly. And then yeah, that yeah. you get that, right. You get that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So no, that's cool. That's cool. I, I feel you, but uh, yeah, super excited for today. Gumby, just a great game. Hopefully it's, hopefully it's under 50 just for your sake, but um. But yeah, all right, switching over to, again, the NBA. Uh, this past week, we had the trade deadline, um, February 9th. Um, all trades obviously had to go through by then. Uh, and again, a lot happened, a lot of a lot of movement. This is probably the most active trade deadline that I can remember. I, I didn't look at the at any of like the previous ones, but they've always been quiet. You know, there's always like rumblings about stars stars being traded rumors here and there uh but this this one actually went down and there was a lot of movement a lot of second round picks being moved i think it was like 30 something second round picks being moved and a lot of key players um switching homes and um joining new teams so first topic i wanted to speak on and you know get your thoughts on were who do you think were you know give me one winner and one loser of the trade deadline like a lot of teams are active some more than others obviously bigger moves some bigger moves than others but you know just give me give me one winner and one loser from this past week that you that you know you're like oh shit like this team really upgraded their roster they were able to get this one key player that can make you know a significant change to their team's tra trajectory for the season or a t another team that made a move and you're like oh shit like what that doesn't make any sense so yeah give me your thoughts on the winner and just one winner and one loser from this trade deadline well i have ton like i have a ton and i and but i, I i'll just start by the obvious right let's let's talk about kd and the fact that if you're the phoenix suns you have to do this 100 out of 100 times and you know people are talking about well you know they didn't you know they didn't get a superstar brooklyn didn't get a superstar back for katie but that's not the way it works in the nba you know if a if a if a team's going to get a guy like katie they probably have other talent that they want to surround him with and therefore it's not going to be like a devin booker for kd it's not going to work like that but shout out for shout out to brooklyn for the way they came out of the last week and a half because Getting rid of KD, getting rid of Kyrie is not easy. And when you get rid of those players, there's no guarantee that you're going to get superstars back. But they got a lot of decent supporting players. And once teams sniff out that a that a you know all-star is disgruntled, very often that can sort of sabotage the haul that you get in return. And I'm just shocked that they came out the way that they came out. Uh, but that's an aside. So... I would say, obviously, Phoenix came out a winner in this trade deadline because they are now automatically considered, you know, a runner-up to go to the finals. And just having that, just having that reassurance is huge, right? Now, there's obviously a lot of risks associated with the move that they made. We can't forget about Chris Paul's injury history in the playoffs. We can't forget about where Katie is at, at his age and stage and his health. But this is a risk that you have to take 
if you're Phoenix, because they were kind of at a crossroads. They had lost to Dallas last last playoffs. They weren't really playing uh, as well as people thought they played this season. So this kind of gets them over that hump immediately. And they have an automatic bucket on their team. And they are now, like you said, in our group chat, they're the favorites in the West. And they did that all in the course of one trade. They were able to become the favorites in the West. So obviously, if you're Phoenix, there is risks associated with this move. Huge implications for their future, potentially. But, hey, you got to do this. Yeah, they, they, they're they the team. Like, let's, let's look back. Let's say in the last, like, 24 months. So... They're a team that made it to the NBA Finals. They were up 2-0 against Milwaukee, you know, and then Giannis kind of just took over the last four games of that series. So they were on the cusp of winning a championship. They had the best regular season last year, regular season record, um, and they looked like, again, the team to beat in the West, and they kind of just flamed out against uh, the Mavs, being led by Doncic and getting basically blown out at home and you know we we were kind of seeing like that 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 effect of that of that game still kind of lingering into the regular season and again that team had issues with Ain and uh Monty Williams having some some conflict in the in the offseason and even during the regular season so I think this move just like provides them with a little bit of stability because again they've they've had this like crazy hectic 24 months um, of basketball. And I think just having KD in there now with Chris Paul, with D-Book, being able to keep Aiden, which is a huge, huge thing. Obviously, they're super thin now, losing um, Cameron Johnson, Mikel Bridges, um, and some other supporting players. So they're definitely thinner um, just through their, like, their bench roster. But again, having KD on that team just makes life so much easier for everyone else. Um, but like you said, I, I I think there's there's probably co-favorites in the West right now. I still think Denver is really good. I, th- I like what Denver did um, actually uh, by picking up Thomas Bryant as kind of like that backup center to, or just a backup big for Jokic. But yeah, I, I liked what Phoenix did. Obviously they traded away a lot of picks. So they're kind of like... Um, you know, a lot of question marks about what that looks like for the next five years. But right now, I think just that was a perfect move for them. They needed to make that move because they were, again, like you said, they were at a crossroads. They had issues that they were dealing with last from last season. And yeah, now they're a team that's probably top two, top three co-favorites to, to win the whole thing. So I think, you know, as a team, they probably made the biggest move the ballsiest move and yeah i guess in a few months we'll see if it's if it pays off but again this is not just a one-year move kd is locked in for i believe in the next two three years so it's a move that you know they can still even if something happens in in this year's playoffs they can still continue to build and you know get guys get get veterans to build around this kind of thinner less uh less like deep team that you you usually expect from a, a team like phoenix yeah and the other thing too is you know we saw KD play with um, great individuals in Golden State, guys like Clay, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, just awesome teammates. And I feel like, obviously, the situation in Brooklyn speaks for itself. But I feel like he's back in that environment in Phoenix. 
you know, guys like Chris Paul, guys like Devin Booker, who anecdotally are just hoopers and love to play basketball. And Chris Paul, my goodness, this guy, if he can stay healthy and he's not in a scoring role where he has to worry about filling up the cup, man, all he has to do is be the point God that everyone knows that he is. I think that this is just going to sort of rejuvenate Chris Paul in ways that we haven't seen in years, probably since his Clippers in New Orleans days, because he really gets to just facilitate with some fantastic offensive talent. So, yeah, I mean, this is not, it is a win now situation for Phoenix because they did in a sense, mortgage their future and give up a guy like Mikhail Bridges, who's a phenomenal player and who's playing unreal in Chris Paul's absence and Devin Booker's absence over the last month. So that was a massive risk to give up that many picks and, and, you know, Johnson and, and Bridges. So, you know, the pressure is there, but I think that, you know, having KD on contract is going to go a long way. That's a great point from your end because it does relieve a lot of pressure from the other people, like key guys, like, like you said, Chris Paul can just facilitate now and just lead and be that, yeah, like you said, like that floor general that he, that he has always been. And now it's just, look, he doesn't have to score, which will help his like longevity uh, for the next few seasons. D book, you know, he, he's been hurt, but He's had a huge, huge scoring um, chest. Yeah, just the responsibility of being that's the primary scorer. So now he, him as a secondary option is crazy. Same with same with Ian. Ian, you know, I think a lot with a lot with him, like a lot of his like progress as a young player. Um, I, I know there's been like you know stories about him not like working really hard or like uh, being lazy on the floor. I think if he's able to just concentrate on playing defense rebounding and he's still a very you know like gifted offensive player but if you take that like that role and responsibility off and just take that off shoulders a little bit I think he can become even a better version of that player so um we we know the the talent that they have and Katie just helps everyone else out you know just in terms of the roles and he just takes that load in terms of scoring and i think it's just going to be such a like i think it's gonna be a great fit for that team to be honest man it's kevin fucking durant yeah i and, know you know, know prior to getting injured this guy was in the mvp conversations so like i think i think you know once we see these th- these three guys on the floor uh they could they have potential to break the nba they do have potential to break the nba but as it stands i mean the west you know, there's a lot of there was a lot of um uh, you know, closeness in the West right now with Denver and and Memphis. And again, talk about four teams in the NBA that didn't do much, but they still haven't really realized their potential or their ceiling. And that's Denver, that's Memphis, that's New Orleans, and that's Cleveland. You know, four teams that didn't really do much this trade deadline because if you're their front office and if you're their organization, whether it's injury, continuity, whatever it might be, you still, you still don't know what your potential is. Yes, that's, that's a great point. But also like the West is so wide open. I, I, I kind of wish the Nuggets did something a little more drastic. Um, I know like continuity is a huge thing. I, I, I think like, I know, and I believe like you and me understand really what, what that means because we've seen it with so many teams and we see what the Clippers are kind of becoming without that continuity, without, you know, the guys playing on the floor at the same time, um, you know, in, in key games. But I do think that either Memphis or Denver could have really put themselves ahead of the, of the pack if they were just able to 
make that move. And I don't know what, you know, the discussions were, the negotiations and what, you know, Masai was asking for, but I know just like having, being able to get an OG or a player that just fits that, that need, because now Katie's in the West, who's going to stop Katie now? Like you should have made a move to, you know, uh, balance out what Phoenix was doing, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know what that looks like. I think Denver's still uh, my, my favorite uh, with the Suns to come out of the West, but um, I, I wish, you know, just personally, obviously you wanted the Raptors to make more moves and wanted one of these teams in the West that were contending to, to pull that trigger. But uh, yeah, me selfishly, yeah, that's what I wanted. But another team I wanted to quickly bring up team here in Los Angeles, the Lakers. I think they, I think they had probably one of the best um, deadlines out of every out of any team, maybe even second to Phoenix, being able to not only trade away Westbrook, but they were able to get, you know, three really good role players. I, I, like D'Angelo Russell, I know down year, he's been playing a little better th these past like few months, uh, former all-star, but they, them being able to trade away Westbrook had only one of their first round picks, which I believe is a top four protected pick in 2027 to be able to get Malik Beasley, a guy that, you know, is an automatic bucket, Jared Vanderbilt, who is, you know, a really good, you know, young defensive power forward. And then Russell, who had his like troubles in the past in LA, you know, that like whatever the, the controversy, controversy with, uh, was it Nick Young? And uh, him like leaking whatever the the video or something, <laughs> so you know that's that's whatever that's that's shit under the rug. But um, he's he's obviously a better player uh, from his days back in L.A. and with the Nets and now with Minnesota and now back in L.A. So I think him being around like LeBron, AD, just fitting into a better role. He's a shooter, great shooter. So having him um, replacing Westbrook who again had so much um, drama around him and his play and coming off the bench and all that. So definitely, definitely, I think they did a great job and they even got Hachimura, which I think another great young big that, you know, has versatility on the offensive end. He doesn't do much defensively and he doesn't have much playmaking skills, but again, he's a big that can rebound and score and take that, take a bit of that pressure off of LeBron when he's when he's off the floor. So I think they did a really good job. I don't know what the, what this means for them for this year. Um, I think they're a playoff team now with kind of the, just a more well-rounded roster, a little more depth, and be able to just get, like, remove Westbrook from the equation. I think that helps a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I like what they did. And, yeah, I'm excited to be able to go watch some of these games now that um, that might be a little more competitive with, with the roster that they're putting together. I, yeah, I feel like we should probably just do a little bit of a Lakers segment right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to hijack what you what you had planned, Tuan, but I mean, a lot has gone on in LA in the last two weeks, including LeBron's um, LeBron's achievement, right? Mm -hmm. And if you just look at, it started with that Wilbon interview, and on national TV, LeBron basically says that he's disappointed that they didn't get Kyrie Irving, and if you're if you're Russell Westbrook and you're watching that, you're like, what the fuck? Because like a diplomatic leader would be like, you know, I'm really confident with the team that we have right now, regardless of how you feel about not getting Kyrie Irving. Right. And then he goes out and he breaks the scoring record. And I asked you in the group chat, if you noticed anything 
with say the dynamic between Westbrook and Darvin Ham and, and Anthony Davis, because, you know, the footage got out of Anthony Davis sitting down when LeBron actually got the achievement and not celebrating, but supposedly it was because he was so pissed off about what happened at halftime because Westbrook essentially erupted. <laughs> and, and so like, I think what happened over the last 72 hours is the Lakers offloaded a lot of their distractions, the Pat Beverly's, the Russell Westbrook's, and they actually have a decent supporting cast, which mm-hmm. is what LeBron has basically needed since he arrived in LA. But unfortunately they gave up their organization for Anthony Davis and they gave up their organization to get Russell Westbrook, all moves that he wanted to make. So it was almost like Palinka actually put on his fucking GM hat and had to sort of make some, erase some errors that were made a la LeBron. Yeah, no, you're, 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 <laughs> so, you're right, man. You're so right. So now they got D'Angelo Russell, they got Malik Beasley, they got Jared Vandal, Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura. They got a solid core, which is all LeBron needs around him. So I ask you this question. If they're matched up with Memphis in the playoffs when when it's a best-of-seven series and you got all that experience that LeBron has, like, I might take the Lakers. Hey, man, uh, yeah, like, that's, that, that's, that's what I'm talking about here, like, you with with a team like Memphis, with a, like even a team like New Orleans, I know they're they're on like a a really bad like skid right now. But just it's matchup. The NBA is all about matchups, exactly. And and if you don't, uh, yeah, if if you just run into a, even though he's an aging LeBron, he's playing so well. Like again, I I was like fortunate to be at the game where he broke the record, and he he broke the record. He scored thirty six points in three quarters, bro. You know, like I know, obviously he was looking for it, and he was, you know, back home um, at Staples Center, and the fans were cheering him on. So he was probably taking, you know, more shots than he would usually do. Uh, but just being able to watch that game, and even like I was watching Westbrook, and I I didn't know all that stuff happened at halftime, but even my buddy and I were like, "Yo, Westbrook is taking some of the stupidest shots." Like he was <laughs> jacking up, th- he's jacking up threes. He was like attacking he was the rim. To steal the night. Yeah, it was it was it was it was horrendous. I know he had like twenty something points, but it was like the least like aesthetically pleasing like way to watch basketball. And he just like nothing was in rhythm. He was like pulling up for three with like eighteen seconds left on the shot clock. So like we're like, what's going on here? Like this is just not this is not winning basketball. And they they end up losing the game because they were down so much. And then obviously the the game there was like a pause in the game, and they were like. They were making a run, and then when LeBron actually broke the record, they actually had like that 15-20 minute break, and then right after that, OKC just took them to school. So, um, but great point all all the way there. I mean, like again, they just have more shooting now. They have more depth, and it's not yeah. I think by uh, it's addition by subtraction with Westbrook too. I think that's a huge thing now that he's not in that locker room. He's not demand like that. That ego is probably eating away at that team for the last few years. Oh my God. Right. Can you imagine. So I, I think just having a new like set of like five, six guys coming in, um, you know, young guys too, that are probably going to really listen to LeBron, listen to AD. And if they, if AD's healthy again, that's the, always the biggest question mark. I think everything hinders on AD's health, but when you have AD and LeBron, anything's possible. You put some shooting around them, some depth around them. Um, yeah, I like I like what what's going on. And again, like you said, if Memphis is mashed up with them, like fuck, that's tough. 
That's tough, tough for, for Memphis. that young team. That's yeah, tough so for tough for Memphis. And and like even like Golden State, like I I think there's a lot of room for Golden State. The the reigning champs, they have to be respected. They they're a team that they are so far away from their stride. I don't know if they'll get to their stride, but I think they're so far away from what they could potentially be just due to a lack of continuity. But aside from that, like if, if gold state doesn't have their shit figured out and they're matched up against the Lakers, like I don't know who to pick is all I'm saying. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? That's all I'm saying. Because one thing we know about LeBron, he's playing so good this season and all of it has been sidetracked by his scoring record and the shit going on with Westbrook at the time. So we got to remember, he doesn't need much. That's the thing about LeBron. He doesn't need much, but he just needs some competent players. And before AD got injured, he was like climbing the MVP ladder. He was climbing the defensive player of the year ladder. He was having some monster games. Then he went down. So again, it's just, it's, it's kind of, I'm shocked that they were able to do the 180 that they were able to do. Um, I'm actually pretty impressed. Yeah, no. I'm I'm on board there. I'm 100 agree with with everything you said there. I do I do like everything that they were able to do, um, with kind of the, um, what what was given to them in terms of like assets that they've had that they have that that's you know it's just those draft picks that they had in 2017 or 2027 and 2029. They still um, have one of them. Yeah, they still have one of them. So that's, they yeah, so. they they could still potentially like, you know, whatever happens this year, but even into next year they have you know, that core now and they have another draft pick that they can always um, include into any other trades in the off season or early next season. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts uh, on if you, if you uh, had any thoughts on a, like a loser of this trade, trade deadline in terms of getting another shitty, like getting a player um, in a trade or a team that just didn't make the move that, you know, you, you thought they should. So anyone that comes to mind in terms of who probably lost um, mm-hmm. uh, the most kind of just any sort of credibility or just the team that they were constructed, like anyone that you could think of as a loser for this trade deadline. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people just associate losing with lack of action. But, you know, like I said, if you're New Orleans, I'm not making any moves because we haven't even seen the team really consistently play without Zion, right? Playing mm-hmm. healthy. Zion hasn't been healthy. Um, Cleveland didn't do a single thing, but that's another team where it's like, there's still room for this team to grow. Evan Mobley has kind of taken a couple steps back. Like there's still room for him to kind of be where he was last season. So if I'm Cleveland, I'm like, I'm kind of sticking with this and seeing where we go. Um, again, Denver, they kind of cleaned up. They kind of cleaned their room a bit. I'd say I can't like, you know, if, if you're sort of, a lukewarm fan and you kind of know about bones highland and you know last season he played pretty well what they got for bones highland on paper isn't that much nope. but clearly there's some issues going on there because they were very eager to get rid of him and obviously he couldn't play well with Nikola Jokic and the rest of that team so that's pretty fitting i thought i thought you know he i thought he could add value to another team where'd he go he went to the clippers right yeah, he's yeah, a, I think he's he'll, I think he'll I think he'll be all right for the Clippers, but you know, I think getting um Thomas for Denver was huge. Yep. Just gives uh, Nikola Jokic some break, but again, I think the loser, sorry, I went on a little sidetrack there, but I think the loser of the trade deadline was the Raptors. Yeah. 
And we haven't yeah. even talked about the Dallas Mavericks. I think they were losers too. But yeah. how do you feel yeah. about that? Do you want to talk about that before we go into the Raptors? Uh, the Kyrie trade? Yeah. So, yeah, you're, you're talking about the, uh, the Kyrie Irving trade from Brooklyn to Dallas. And I, I know there were a lot of polarizing thoughts on this, different opinions. I have my own opinions on this. You have your own opinion on this. I think every like all all opinions are a little valid in regards to the, the way we're thinking. But um, yeah, so Dallas acquires Kyrie Irving, Marquise Morris for Spencer Dinwiddie, who's going back to the Nets. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, 20, 29 first round pick and two second round picks. So a pretty big get for Dallas in terms of just talent, of course, but that talent is a little bit tainted with all the shit that, you know, has happened in the last two years with Kyrie Irving, with his suspensions, his, all of his antics off the court. Um, so, yeah. So for, I, I know you have your thoughts. My thought is Dallas is a team that's desperate. They really messed up the, the Brunson situation, not giving him the contract the middle of last season. And then he played super well. They made it to the Western Conference Finals. He gets paid, goes to New York. They lose basically a borderline all-star. He's playing like an all-star this year, a secondary ball handler for Luka. And, he, you know, we, we're seeing kind of what happened with Dallas now. They're struggling a little bit. Uh, Luka is having one of the highest usage rate of all time. He's playing like the, the Harden of Houston. And yeah, they were a team that was desperate for talent. Christian Wood is probably their second best player. So they were very desperate. So they were a desperate team that made a desperate move. And I think, you know, it was a move that was necessary for them because again, you have a generational talent in Luca and you cannot be wasting years like, you know, how Cleveland did with LeBron. And again, this trade could also blow up. It's most likely going to blow up 80% of the, I'm saying 80%, it's probably going to go terribly wrong, but even having that 20% chance of Kyrie, you know, accepting his role, um, trying to be a good leader. Again, these are things that haven't been synonymous with Kyrie, but I think the talent just overweighs everything with, uh, for this team. And I think if, you know, if there's any sort of continuity that can be built here, if Kyrie's able to buy in, um, there's that slim, slim chance that this team can, you know, do damage in the West. But that's that's a big if. And yeah, I want to give it to you, give like hand it over to you to think on what what your thoughts are on this. I know what they are already, but, you know, be able to just, you know, articulate that for, for the listeners on what you think is going to happen with Dallas and them having Kyrie Irving on the team with Luca. Yeah, I mean, just what a swing. Like, what a swing to take. Dorian Finney-Smith, solid 3 and D. Spencer Dinwiddie can get you 20 points a game and every night. Obviously, it wasn't working. Uh, they played Sacramento yesterday. They lost by five. And there's still a lot of room for two dynamic guards to sort of figure out their chemistry. But, you know, I think, and I said this to you, I think Kyrie Irving has proven to be the most volatile athlete in professional sports 
And he's played with LeBron James. He's played with Jason Tatum. He's played with Jalen Brown. He's played with Kevin Durant. He's played with James Harden. There always seems to be an issue. And, you know, Luca, Luca is a generational talent unlike or no other. You know, I'd say he's on the, he's on the, he's on a Jokic pedestal. He's on a Giannis pedestal. There's, and then there's Luka Doncic. And if I'm, if I'm more Cuban, if I'm Dallas, I'm treating that as like the special child that I have. And I just don't want him exposed to something as toxic as Kyrie Irving. And I just, I just don't know what the direction is for that team. If it doesn't go right. And everything that I've experienced in the last seven years with Kyrie Irving, since he won a championship in Cleveland, since he hit that big shot with LeBron James, everything that I've experienced with Kyrie Irving would tell me that chances are this is not going to go right. So I think it's safe to sort of think ahead and say, what's Dallas's move when this doesn't go right? They are royally fucked. Well, the thing with this Kyrie trade is that he is a free agent after the season. So if things go terribly wrong, they can just, you know, it can be a sunk cost. And again, that, that means um, they trade, you know, their first round pick in 20, 2029. Uh, but that also means they get cap space. And I, I don't know what the, the free agent uh, market will look like, but that's just kind of like their their plan B. I think that's what it is. I think it's like, okay, we're going to take a big risk, but we can step away from this if we need to. So I think it's like an like an evaluation period here. If things go well, they're going to offer Kyrie a two, three-year contract. I, I don't think they're going to give him a, give him the max and give him all the years. I, th I don't think they're going to give him four years. Uh, that's way too much money and too much years to commit to a guy with, you know, with his past history. But I think that, yeah, it's a move that, Huge move, of course, but I, again, it's a move that they can step away from if, if need be, if, you know, the next two, three months uh, go off the rails. But again, I do like it from, from their perspective, just because they were a team that just were desperate to, to make a move and to acquire new talent. And they're, they're kind of just trying to pick up the pieces from, from that Brunson uh, debacle. So, well, all this doesn't uh, happen if they just retain Brunson. Exactly. 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 And it's, it's, it's like, yeah, it sucks, but honestly you can't, can't go back and make that decision again. But um, yeah, it's just that move really is why the re the reason they had to give up all the picks and the, the key role players in this trade for Kyrie. So yeah, man, it's uh, uh still to be determined on paper, um, better talent, but um, yeah, I think we'll have to wait a few months to see if they are definitely a loser or a winner from this trade, but a lot of question marks there, but it's going to be intriguing. It's going to be interesting. Like he's been playing pretty well. The first three games. I know uh, Luca hasn't been playing. Did he play yesterday against Sacramento? I know he's been hurt, so I don't yeah, know. He, he played he, yesterday. They both, oh, played 41, they both played 41 minutes. It was their okay. first game playing with okay, each other. Okay. And Tuan, you're right. Like I watched, um, what was the, what was the game that I watched? I watched them play the Kings the first game when mm -hmm. uh, Luca wasn't playing. Yeah. And, you know, they are so, talk about shallow and talk about a thin, talk about a thin roster. Like you're starting Dwight Powell, yeah. uh, Reggie Bullock, Tim Hardaway Jr. And 
watching Kyrie hoop with those guys, finding them and putting them in spots where they can score. Like he is so good. Kyrie Irving is so good. And it was like his first game playing. I think that was his first or second game playing with Dallas. And the way that he was just running with them, passing to them, getting his own, also dishing, like he's such a special player. But as we've seen time and time again, it's just there's always something that gets in the way. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. We know what happened in Cleveland. He wanted, you know, away from LeBron. We saw everything that happened in, in Boston. And him basically saying that he wanted to stay if 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 you want if you know if you would like him to stay in Boston and all that thing that happened there and now with the Nets. So again, I'm not I'm not gonna question, you know, whether he's gonna be able to continue it, but you know, I think that's what Dallas is banking on, that yeah. he can somehow, you know, turn that switch and become just, you know, a good teammate and a good basketball player and kind of focus on just his game. But again, we don't know what that's gonna look like. Um, but you did mention the Raptors and I did want to talk about, uh, two more teams in particular, two teams that I think are probably in the same boat. Um, a little, again, the Raptors, a team in, in the East that had a lot of, you know, high expectations with kind of the, the, the roster that they had coming to the season, having Scotty Barnes come, uh, off a, wonderful rookie of the year campaign um seeing siakam become a all nba guy freddie van vliet uh first team or first first time all-star last season the growth of og growth of precious uh even chris boucher and i believe right now they are 26 and 31 they've had a decent you know last few weeks playing around like above 500. I know they had a successful, what I don't know if you can call it successful, but a four and three Western road trip and blew a pretty big game to Utah the other night. Um, and then also on the other side of the coast, the Portland Trailblazers, um, you know, they have one of, I would say even a top five player in the league right now in Damon Lillard. Um, their commitment to him um, will continue to, hurt the team because I think they haven't decided if they want to be contenders and to give up draft capital to support Dame and his, you know, his mission to continue to build that team to be a perennial, perennial all-star team. Uh, but they didn't make any moves that, um, that got me, you know, going on terms of like, Oh, this is the direction that they have. They have young talent, kind of like the Raptors, but they're kind of just that middle ground team where, they're not bad enough to uh, be able to, you know, get any odds for Wemby, but they're not good enough to battle it out in this wide open West. So those are the two teams that I think are just kind of treadmilling right now, the worst place you want to be as an NBA franchise. So give me your thoughts with the Raptors. Um, obviously they were able to acquire a former uh, player of theirs in Jacoperto who was traded in that Kawhi Leonard trade and he's progressed and grown quite a bit with the Spurs. And, you know, they were lacking a center for a while now, but I'm, I'm, I don't know how to feel about this move because they gave up a first round pick two seconds. Um, and, you know, this takes time away from precious who I think had a really good season last year 
He's he's a little hurt uh, to start the season, so he really hasn't got his legs under him. And I think adding in Pirtle, who again is a big, but he's a you know rim runner, rim protector, doesn't shoot um, on the perimeter, so they didn't really fix any of their issues that they had in terms of a guy that can make shots. They still don't have great shooters um, surrounding Siakam and uh, Scotty. And yeah, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. like I've always, I've always had, you know, the trust in Masai and Bobby and that front office to make the right move. And I think they just, I don't know that they're, they're saying they're, they're going to reevaluate the team and they were testing the waters to see the trade values where some of the players, but OG's never played better. Siakam's never played better. I don't get it. Like, are you, you should have either traded for another star player to add to this team so that they can actually compete in the, in the East or traded those players at their highest value and build around Scotty Barnes, build around Gary Trent Jr. and go for a draft pick this year. So I don't know. I don't like being in the middle there. So what, what are your thoughts with the Raptors, what they did and kind of, you know, what, what, what we can expect uh, in the off season or in the upcoming year? Yeah. I mean, you said a lot of things there and there's a lot of things on my mind that I'm, that I'm trying to synthesize here, but um, when they got Yaka Pirtle, the first thing that came to mind was sweet. We didn't give up Gary Trent. Yeah. Like, okay, so we're buying. Okay, let's let's go. Like, what are we buying? We got to get rid of Fred Van Fleet because we can't re-sign him uh, for the amount of money that he's going to want next season. So what are we buying? Let's go. Let's do this. Like, then I thought, okay, are we going to do something with Orlando? Like, are we going Jalen Suggs, Terrence Ross, maybe Fred Van Fleet, something else? Like, I like that. That's great. Let's do yep. it. Um, but then nothing at all happened. And it just made me scratch my head because obviously they think there's obviously been a void at center. And, you know, I went to the Clippers game, watched Zubats get like 28 rebounds, <laughs> but there's definitely, or sorry, Nurkic, fuck. And Zubats. We got killed by both of them. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So then, you know, I was like, okay, we filled that void, but obviously front office clearly didn't like what they were getting in return for OG and Anobi. And you hear, the sources that are the anecdotes that are coming out that Memphis offered three first round picks, Indiana, interesting, offered three first round picks for OG Ananobi. Indiana obviously feels as though they got something there, which is pretty interesting because um, they do actually have a lot of talent on that roster. But either way, um, obviously that wasn't high enough. And I find that really strange because I don't know if the haul for OG Ananobi will be the same in the offseason. Now that Brooklyn has Mikhail Bridges on their team, mm -hmm. you could argue that Mikhail Bridges is a very similar player to OG Ananobi, but better offensively and more at playoff experience. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Did we just miss out on a potential haul that we could have gotten for OG? Because I don't know if it's going to be the same in the offseason. But clearly, like Masai and Bobby think that there's room to compete this year. But I don't see that happening. I'm actually more envious of where Brooklyn's at as an organization right now because they're about four or five games ahead of Toronto. And I don't see Toronto surpassing them um, this season when you got guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, Seth Curry, Nick Claxton, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Thomas, uh, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, Patty Mills, and I didn't even mention Ben Simmons. So, you know... <laughs> I just don't know where this team falls in terms of the playoff ladder this year. 
And Masai was always notorious for saying like, we, we're, we don't, we're not making moves to be a play play in team. That's mm-hmm. kind of exactly where we are now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a little mind boggling in terms of the, the, uh, yeah, the non moves that they made. Right. So, oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to think. It's, it's been a pretty disastrous year in terms of just not being able to close close games, blowing leads in the fourth. Um, like they have such good, like when you really think about the team, the the guys that, you know, have been in the playoffs, you know, this team has like, you know, they have, they had such a good run for the last like 10 years and having these young guys like Siakam, Freddie, OG kind of um, be the lead guys. It just hasn't really worked out. And Siakam is having a wonderful year. He's an all-star. So amazing that he, he was one of the replacements in the East. Um, but it's just, it's troubling that they can't put it together. They're, they're behind the likes of the Bulls, the Wizards, and the Hawks in the East. You know, like, when I think of the Bulls, I think of a terribly dis- dysfunctional team. I, I, I know De- DeMar's great. Le- Levine's, you know, a good player. But how are the Raptors behind the Bulls? Or the Wizards? Are you kidding me? The Wizards? Like, that's how bad it's gone. So I just want to have that perspective, like, Sure, they have a great team and all these every franchise wants their players and Siakam and OG and Freddie and but they suck. They suck ass. And I they they just need to either, you know, fucking lose 10 in a row and just become one of the worst teams in the league and just get a nice draft pick and see what happens there. Because what's the point of getting the what, the 15th, 16th pick in this draft and then reevaluating in the next you know, in the off season. So. Well, that's it, the other thing too, Tuan. It's like, um, like who are they going to shop for in the off season is the other thing I was thinking, because we talked about Portland. I think what Portland demonstrated by not doing anything in the off season is that they're probably going to part ways with Dame this off season is, is what, what I gathered for it because there was opportunities to get guys like OG and Anobi. There was opportunities to get guys to, to sort of, you know, support him. Um, but I think what's going to happen is they're probably, de- they probably demonstrated that they're probably going to go to a different direction. And okay, look at the Knicks and what they have to offer. Why wouldn't Dame just go to a bigger market? Look at Brooklyn, now that they have all these picks and all these amazing ancillary players that, uh, you know, they can trade. Um, I just think there's going to be better destinations and there's other teams that have, assets outside of Toronto who's never been a good free agent team so I just don't know what our direction is this offseason because clearly we're not going to be buyers yeah Dame's loyalty I know I love it because obviously you 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 love just that um that trait from a great player but it's definitely hurt the man him like wanting to stay there uh and they just haven't been able to like build properly around him they traded away um what's his name uh Gary Payne for like five first round or five second round picks. They traded away. Uh, who's the other guy that they traded away? Um, oh, Josh yeah. Hart. Hurt. Josh Hart, who's, yeah. who was, who was fantastic last year for them. I know he, he played a little more because Dame was hurt, but he was really, really good for them um, coming from New Orleans and them trading him away to, to New York. So 
like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, I know they, they have Anthony Simons. They got Jeremy Grant. I think Jeremy Grant's a free agent this upcoming uh, summer as well. So they have very little talent around like Dame right now. Um, and they're going to continue to be a bottom. They, I don't even think they're going to be a play-in team, to be honest, just with the roster constructor right now. Dame might push, like, you know, just go off, of, go on a crazy streak to to end the season and maybe they could be a play-in game or a play-in team. But just with their, their, like the roster constructed currently, uh, yeah, they're not good. They're not good. And I don't know what's going to happen with this team. Don't know if Dame's going to be traded or be moved or or whatnot. But yeah, Raptors, Blazers, I think both teams are in similar situations. Just no direction. Well, that's no direction. Like, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but, you know, we didn't even address the fact that, you know, we're one of the bottom, we're bottom of the barrel in terms of half court offense. We're not even great defensively, but I think that's no. going to probably, that's probably going to change. Um, I, I really like how Jakob Pertl can actually anchor a defense for us. Um, but there's also a huge problem with Nick Nurse playing guys like Siakam. Siakam, I'm pretty sure, is leading the league in minutes. Fred Van yeah, Fleet's second right year up. in a row. Second yeah. year in a row, he's Fred, leading the league Fred in Van minutes. Van Fleet's right up there. So we haven't addressed the fact that Nick Nurse is playing the shit out of these guys. And that does, if you're trying to make a little playoff push, like how do you expect to do so when your players are exhausted come playoff time? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So a lot of questions, man. I don't. I, I don't know what to to think right now. I just hope that they can, you know, either end the season well or just yeah, lose a bunch of games or win a bunch of games. Figure it out. But uh, both these teams are are very similar in in their direction, which I don't know what direction is, but you know that's that's kind of what uh, their situation is looking like. So, so where do you see opportunity for the Raptors? Because the only the only bright spot that I see. And it's very parallel to the Kyle Lowry situation is a sign and trade with Fred, Fred Van Fleet. Yeah, that's that's the only thing. But what like a sign and trade basically entails that you know the he can get the most money. Uh, but what team is going to do that? Is Orlando going to do that just to sign Freddie? I know that he's probably gonna ask for 25, 30 million dollars a year, which is crazy to me because I know he's been playing a little better. But Freddie has not played well at all this season. He's—I don't know what his what—I don't know what his like straight up raw numbers look like. But I know he's shooting under forty percent from the field. He was shooting like thirty-six percent from the field earlier this season. It's definitely gone up a little bit. But he's just like a smaller guard that doesn't have the athleticism. And when his shot isn't falling, he looks like a terrible player, right? And he's shooting a lot of like shots from like 28 30 feet away because he can't create his own shot um he's not really good at getting to the rim and like finishing well so oh man it sucks because he was such a good player last year and i think it's just all the minutes that uh nurse has really put on these guys i think it's just like not sustainable and they don't have a good bench so you know when you're putting in delano ban or malachi flynn or chris boucher it's like you you're getting killed when those guys are on the on the floor. So obviously the starters have to go back in, and they're playing 38, 39 minutes a game. And um, I, I don't know, man. It's it's weird because they have such a good team, like in terms of like having good players on the roster, but it just hasn't worked well this year. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess you can you can convince yourself that they've underachieved this first half of the season, and you can maybe convince yourself that things are going to turn themselves around. The only I just don't I don't see how they become more efficient scoring wise outside of Pascal Siakam. That's the only thing I just I can't figure out. So do you, do you would you ever uh, entertained the the idea of switching coaches? Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think. It's- which sounds kind of crazy because we know Nick Nurse is definitely one of the best coaches in the league. But with, do you just need a new voice in the locker room? Is that the move? Is that what is that what's going to happen here? Like, which would be crazy to me. But what, like, what do you what do you do here? Yeah, he he clearly has insecurities with expanding his rotation outside of like their six man rotation. He's, yeah. he, he definitely has insecurities in that regard. I'm not saying that he needs to play Malachi Flynn more, but I would say that given what we have, I don't think Malachi Flynn's playing enough. And I think Fred Van, and you could, you could utilize him in certain areas where you give Fred Van Fleet a little bit more break because he's just logging too much minutes. Yeah. Um. So like, I'm not saying that we need, I'm not saying Malachi Flynn's the answer. I'm using that as an example of how Nick Nurse is kind of like, kind of a dictator in a way, his approach to coaching and that he just like, it's, it's, he, he, he just like uses these guys way too much. The usage rate is just way too high and he doesn't go to his bench enough. Um, And I know we don't have like the greatest bench, but there's probably ways to ease off some of these minutes for some of these guys, get more production out of them. Um, The other thing I'll say too is, you know, I don't know if this is a Nick nurse thing, but and I'm not saying these guys are big needle movers for the team, but, Look at guys like O.J. Brissett, Brissett, Terrence Davis, um, Ish Wainwright, uh, Utah Watanabe. There's more. There's more in the league. There are more guys in the league that they're not huge needle movers for the team, but they had opportunities with Toronto and they just literally never played. And they're playing for these other teams. And these other teams are better than the Raptors right now. So that's all I'm going to say. Like there, there are question marks that I have because we, we always consider ourselves a developmental program. But when you look under the hood over the last three years and you look at the development, we're not really retaining the guys that we're developing. Gary Payton, the second, also another example. So are we? Yeah, you're no great, great, great point, bro. Great point. And yeah, I don't know if it's like a front office thing either. Like you haven't really addressed the shooting issues, you know, like they, like I, I know OG is a decent three point shooter. Freddie is supposedly a good shooter, but he hasn't been shooting well. Gary Trent is the only like player that I confidently say, okay, I, I like when you take that three point shot. I, I, I don't mind when he goes off and takes, you know, a shot early in the shot clock because I know that's like the only way we're going to get quick buckets. Uh, but yeah, great points in terms of like mentioning those players that we had on our roster that, should have gotten a little more minutes and Nick nurse is kind of, yeah, his, his way of coaching is like, he likes to have a very, very tight rotation of six, seven guys. And it doesn't allow growth where the younger players like Malachi Flynn, Delano band to just play through the mistakes, especially in a season like this, where you're not going to win a championship. You're not even going to be, you know, a top five, six team in, in the East. So like, why are you guys, why are you going to just keep, um, basically 
running these guys into the ground and not develop anyone else but you know these guys that you've already had the last few years and you know what they can do it's just yeah it's 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 tough there's a lot of factors that um that are com- coming into why the reasons or the reasons why the raptors aren't doing well um i don't know which factor is more important or bigger reason but definitely a lot of things that they need to consider in the offseason once yeah once think, once things I- go down I think they definitely need to reevaluate the coaching situation 100%. And the other thing I, I don't really like about Nick Nurse is like, and I, I love Nick Nurse, but the one thing I'm really getting a little annoyed with is his inability to read the room. Like you got to realize that the team is currently con- comprised of, you know, young athletes and it's no longer like DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry and guys that can take public scrutiny, but this guy's going you know, this guy's talking to the media post game and calling guys out. And these guys are like 21, 22, 23. Like, that's not the way you coach this generation, um, especially because they're so they're so um, aware of their public perception and they're so vulnerable to it. Like, you got to just be a little bit more diplomatic. I don't like when he calls out uh, Gary Trent yeah. or Chris Boucher. Yeah. These guys are 22 or 23 years old. Like, relax. Um, yeah. Good point. So that's Good one point. thing. And then the other thing is I think Masai is going to have to reevaluate uh, the value of these guys, because I think as the days go on post trade deadline, we're starting to see more things come out where I guess the asking price wasn't high enough or, you know, uh, we wanted Terrence Mann in addition to all these picks with the Clippers. And I think we just kind of have to humble ourselves and realize that, like, even though you drafted these guys and they're your babies, you might have to let them go for something a little less than what you think they're worth. Very good point. And I think that's a that's a great way to to end the pod. Um yeah, man. So much going on. It's gonna be interesting kind of second half of the regular season. Um again, we're gonna look out for what the Suns are able to do, what the Mavs are able to do. Um, see how the Nuggets in Memphis kind of continue to play with their current roster constructed. So yeah, man. Well, you know, a few hours until the Super Bowl, I think we got five, five, six hours into the game. So enjoy the rest of your day, brother. Um, great pod. Killed it again. So yeah, man. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, and, thanks for, uh, for facilitating. This is your flu game. This was your flu game pod. <laughs> it was great. Appreciate it, bro. But um, yeah, let's let's keep in touch and uh let's go Eagles, baby. Okay, and one thing, when we make the play-in tournament, if I'm convincing myself that like, oh, the second seed does not want to see the Raptors this year, like, just <laughs> talk me off that immediately. Don't worry, I'll push you off the ledge. Perfect. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, yeah, no, I'll, I'll remind you, don't worry. I'll, I'll remind myself too, because I know we get caught up sometimes, you know, if they win a little bit of, they go on a little streak there, we'll go we'll get a little too excited. But yeah, let's, Let's hold each other accountable, reasonable, and uh, yeah, man, we'll, uh, we'll 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 talk next week. All right, man. Enjoy the Super Bowl with George. Tell him I said hi. We'll do. We'll do. Okay. See you later. Right. See ya. Yeah. Bye.